God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to even call upon your name. We thank you because many of us, myself included, shouldn't even be here. But you saw fit for us to be here, to honor you, to worship you together, to fellowship with one another. My God, we thank you for what you're doing. And I just pray, my God, that you continue to work with us and edify us and cause us to go out and reach the people outside of these four walls. Some of us feel that we just need to come to church and everything is okay, but you have called for us to go out, my God. And if there's anything that is hindering us, that is keeping us from reaching our full potential in you, my God, I just pray that you break those chains. I pray that you start that fire within us, my God, so we can go out and show people the love of our Father. To use our struggles as a testimony of your love and your power and how you've delivered us. To not be ashamed of who we used to be. But being thankful because of who you have made us into be. We honor you, and I just thank you for this time. Just pray that your presence fills this place. And we just all glorify you together. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. You guys were amazing. great to be here and to see you all today and everybody who was online it's great to have you here and um I don't know as I was putting this message together and I don't know God was just showing me and working with me and showing me myself and sometimes that's a hard thing is to Look at yourself and see where you have fallen short. And God was saying there's some things that we all need to do. And we all need to come together. And what I need to do so he can use us to do what he's called us to do, which is to disciple and to reach others around the world with his word. So I may get a little excited. You guys know me. I'm very passionate when it comes to the word of God. So today's scripture is going to find us in Second Chronicles. But before we get into today's scripture, I just kind of want to give a little backstory. You know, we, so we start with Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles is mainly about Solomon, the son of David. And Chronicles starts off saying that Solomon, with the great assembly of his leaders, his commanders, and his judges, and so on, they all went to a place that is pronounced Gibbon. 
and they sacrificed. They went to a high place, and they sacrificed to God. And the Bible actually said that they offered 1,000 burnt offerings. They offered 1,000 burnt offerings. And then that night, God appears to Solomon, and God asks him, he tells him, ask what I shall give you. And you guys, some of you know the story. Solomon answers and says, give me wisdom and knowledge to lead your people. Wisdom and knowledge to lead your people. And God responded. He says, because this was in your heart and you didn't ask for great possessions. You didn't ask for notoriety. You didn't ask for honor and wealth. You didn't even ask for the lives of those who hate you. But you asked for wisdom and knowledge so you can lead my people, the people that I've made you king over. He said, I will give you your wisdom and knowledge, but I'm also going to give you riches and possessions and honor such as none of the kings who were before and after you shall have. And so God blessed Solomon. Then we get into chapter 2 where it says that Solomon started preparing to build the temple. And Solomon gets everybody, who, who all the workmen, and they gather together, and he gets all the material, the gold and the brass, and he has the priests bring in the Ark of the Covenant and place it into most holy place. And then Solomon gets the Levites, who at this time were the singers, and, 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 and he, brought, he brought in the praise and the worship team, and, and it caused us to understand the importance of praise and worship. I just wanted to point that out because praise and worship changes our, our focus. It changes our hearts and causes us to focus towards God. So that's why we have praise and worship. So people may walk in with heaviness. People may walk in with, with, with their thought on tomorrow, saying what I need to do to make tomorrow better or I have all these struggles or these things I need to take care of. And praise and worship centers us and changes our focus Back to God, the one who can take care of our tomorrow, the one who can take care of our next week. And we don't even have to do anything. Just give ourselves to him and praise him and to worship him and honor him. And so now Solomon, he brings out the praise and worship team. And then we get to Chronicles, Second Chronicles chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, and it reads, And it came even to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one, were as one. They were on one accord. They were all focusing on God. You didn't have someone who was thinking about the football game. You didn't have someone who was thinking about who, who harmed them last week. You didn't have someone who was thinking about work in the next week. But they were all focusing on God. They were all one and one accord to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and, and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, then the house, then the house was filled with the cloud. Even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by the reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Then it goes on to say, Solomon blesses the people, and he says a prayer of dedication, and it brings us to our verse of the day, which can be found in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 to 14. 
And it reads, Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they, they, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good for his mercy endureth forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. Amen. The title of today's message is Revival. Revival. Now, when we in the church hear the word revival, when I hear the word revival, I start to think of, you know, a stadium full of people. And, 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 and I start to see people, I start to imagine people just there worshiping and glorifying God. And, and, and I may even start to repeat some of the things I've heard because I've never actually been to a revival. But I, I've studied and read things about the revival, how people were delivered, how, how people were healed. And, and there are revivals like the Layman's Revival in 1857. And, and we can hear about the Anson Street Revival. That was also in 1857. And, and the Hebrides Revival in 1949. And the Azusa street revival in 1906 and I now hear about the move of God and how God just touched people and 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 people were just delivered and people started speaking in unknown tongues and and this is what I imagine revival to be people coming from all walks of life just to come and and maybe hear a preacher speak a word and and when we study histories of revival it seemed that during the time that a revival broke out, that the church seemed to be in a state of lethargy. No one seemed to be seeking the face of God. The church didn't have an effect on the surrounding communities. And yes, people, they may have gone out and, and they may have evangelized, but not many people were coming in. You're passing out tracts, but for some reason, people were not responding to, to, to the evangelism because there was no power of God. And as I was putting this together, it hit me. It's kind of like today. It's kind of like today. Statistically, the numbers of the church are down approximately 40% all around. And we, we, what we try to do, and I'm not just speaking of this local church, I'm speaking as a church as a whole, what we try to do when we see that, we start 
try to put programs together. How can we reach the community? How can we do this and how can we do that? And, and when people come, what do we have in place to make sure that they stay? And, and we try to do all these activities to entertain people as they come into the church. And, and we hope that that's going to cause them to stay. And there's nothing wrong with programs because, yes, I feel that the church needs to be able to reach the people. And the church needs to be able to supply uh, and help people in need. But today it seems that the world has more of an effect on the church than the church has on the world. You see, this, this, this pandemic that we had just gone through, it closed many churches during that time. And, and people became lethargic and, and they, they were divided. And now the churches that are opening, we want to get back to the way things were and how things were before the pandemic. But I tell you the truth, I personally do not want to go back to the way things were before. You see, when, when, when studying revival, we, we will notice that, we will notice the great things that God had done. And we will notice that God not only blessed the people at the revival, but it spread out to the surrounding communities. It didn't just spread out to the surrounding communities because people from different countries came to the revival. And so when they went back, it was not just their homes that was blessed. It was not just the communities that were blessed. But depending on which revival, you will see countries around the world was blessed by this move of God. And this is what we should desire to see. We should desire to see the kingdom of God on, his, on earth. And so the mistake people make is we genuinely care for people. And we want to see people change. And we want to see people touch. But then now we try to plan and we try to start our own revival. We, we rent auditoriums and we invite these great preachers. And, and we have this amazing worship. And the place is packed out. And people, yes, they're giving their life to Christ. And, and when the event is over, everyone goes home. They may talk about it for the next two or three days, but nothing is changed outside of that. And that's because if you study the revivals in history, it was never about the number of people. It was never about the venue. It was never about the music, but it was about God. The revival started when just a few people or even just one person said there has got to be more. I am tired of this mess. I just want to dig my feet in and seek God. It didn't just happen overnight. Some of them just prayed and prayed and prayed day in and day night, and day in and night, and they, and they prayed for months on end. It wasn't just a moment, and there's just something in them that desire to be in the presence of God, and the church has gotten away from seeking God that way. In this time, not just in this church, but just in this time, I feel that God wants to do something new. That 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 God wants to that God wants to prepare his people for his move, for, for his shift. But for that to happen, for revival to happen, it starts within. 
It, it, it doesn't matter about the preacher. It doesn't, you can, you can get Billy Graham. It, it doesn't matter. It starts with the desire, that yearning within you. It, does, it starts with, with, with God just coming in because you have been fasting. You have been praying and God comes in and God heals your brokenness. It comes in. It starts when, when God revives the dead things that is in you, the things that the enemy has caused to die because of hurt, because of struggle, because of his life, and we have to get to the point where we said, God, I need you to revive that love that was inside of me. God, I need you to revive that patience that was inside of me. God, I need you to revive anything that is keeping me or anything so I can I can glorify you the way I want to, to remove the things that is keeping me from seeking you. The church needs to get back to the way it used to be, where we used to come together for prayer meetings, where we used to sing hymns, where we used to seek the face of God. The church needs to get back so God can revive everything inside of us. And that's where the revival starts. It doesn't matter who, how great the preacher is if he doesn't have that yearning and that desire to be in the presence of God and allow God to move the way God wants to. If we want true revival, then we must focus on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I want revival. I don't know about you, but I want revival. It doesn't matter. So a lot of people feel, especially... The young people, and you know, when I was, you know, when you, when you're as young as I am, um, <laughs> don't let the grades fool you. I got it's because of my kids, but uh, um, I used to feel like, you know, the revivals are just for older folks. It's no, not for anybody like me, you know. But I tell you the truth that revival is for. God's people, regardless of the age, is for God's people. Because when God starts that fire in you, when, when God uh, uh, revives things in you, you become contagious. The fire that has started in me, because I'm on fire, I could just get next to the person. And they, and the fire will jump on them. When I say the fire jump on them, it's just my excitement for God and the move of God and the presence of God is on me. That it will jump on the next person and they will start singing and they just want to, want to know why I'm so excited or, or, or want to know why I'm not sad because of everything that has happened to me. And I said, well, you need to know the God that I know, that even in my mess, God has still been blessing me. Even while I'm in the wilderness, God still blesses me. But not for me to stay in the wilderness, but for me to move into our promise. And so we have to get back to seeking the face of God. Because if, if you study, again, the, the different revivals in history, 
when a revival broke out, like I said before, it affected the community. It affected the people around them. There were times, there was times in history where it said that the crime rate went down because people rather be in the presence of God than out on the street and committing crime. They said, they said the numbers in the bars went down because people rather be in the prayer meetings than, than at the bar drinking their sorrows away because they're like, there is something different about this prayer meeting. There's something different about this church. There's something different about this God. Yes, I don't have any money. Yes, I may be struggling, but but there is something that has given me joy. There is something that has given me peace. And we have to get to the point to where even when our minds just stop racing, we call out to God and say, God, I need you to touch my mind and and say, peace be still, God. And just cause you to to cause me to, to want to Jump up and run and tell people about you and, and tell people about your love and, and tell people how you delivered me and, 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 and cause a stirring in this area and cause a stirring in this church and, and let it catch fire. And you will find out how God will speak to different people just because of your fire, just because of your desire, just because of your yearning to be in his presence. The problem is we've gotten too comfortable doing Doing things on our own. We've gotten too comfortable with the works of our hands instead of sitting down and being obedient and depending on the one who's created it all, depending on the one who there is nothing impossible for. We have to get back to just seeking God and being in his presence and you will watch that shift happen even here. You will watch that shift happen in your life. You will watch that shift happen in your schools just because you desire to be in the presence of God and I promise you he will never let you down. We have to be like the sons of Korah in Psalms 42 that says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Have you ever been so thirsty that nothing quenches your thirst but that glass of water? God has to be that glass of water, that there's nothing In this world, that there's nothing the world has to offer will quench that thirst. And we have to desire God that way. In Psalm 84, it says, my soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. So. Revival starts with that desire. Do you desire God that much today? Do you desire to be in the presence of God no matter what it takes? Tomorrow's not promised. So why not start today? God wants to do things in our lives. There's people who walked in 
in this, in this building with, with spiritual bondage. There's people who walked in here with just, you know what, I've been to church this weekend and make it as a checklist. But God doesn't want you just to check them off. God doesn't want you to walk out with the spiritual bondage that you walked in with. God wants to deliver you. God wants to, God wants to set you free from the spiritual oppression, from the lies of the enemy that he's placed on us this whole time. God wants us to seek him and so we can learn to trust him and be obedient when God tells us to speak to someone. How many of us are afraid? I am. I am. Let's be honest. We're afraid of how the person is going to react. We're afraid of the rejection. We're afraid of the ridicule. But God said, speak. Because sometimes God has already touched the heart of that individual, and he just wants you to step out and see if you're going to be obedient. In Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, Scripture reads, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal the land he will forgive our sins he will work with us he will revive things in us but he it will also affect the land the people around us we have to want more we have to want more of god and, and more of what god has for us. We, we got to seek God and, 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 and ask him for forgiveness, for being disobedient and succumbing to fear. We, we have to ask God for forgiveness for not going out and, and, and staying complacent and, and not discipling people the way he commanded us to. We have to get to the point to where we don't know just God as God, but we, it's, it's, we, we know him as my God. Make it personal because I, that, that's not just wife. That is my wife. And that's how we have to be with God. And that comes through praying, fasting, and being in his presence, getting back to the things that the church used to do. Not being afraid to talk about the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. Not being afraid to go out and lay hands on the sick and trusting that God will heal them. It's time to stop playing church and be the church. going to be closing soon. I have a couple quotes I wanted to read. Dr. James Edwin Orr said, in times of evangelism, the evangelist seeks the sinner, but in times of revival, 
the sinner comes chasing after God. So when there's true revival, we don't even have to do work. When there is true revival and there's true repentance in our heart and we obedient to the word of God, God can work through us and reach the people around us. We don't have to do the work, but we just have to trust him and seek him. Dr. or evangelist Duncan Campbell said revival is a community saturated with God. But how can the community be saturated with God if we're not? Because we're told to go into the community. We are told to go reach the lost. God can do it. God can move without us, but he choose to use us. So let's go to reach people with love. And I'm going to close with this prayer from David. It's from 1 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 10 to 13. And it goes, and David said, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens And in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you will be exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. And in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God. And praise your glorious name. That prayer comes from relationship. That prayer comes from someone who sought the heart of God. David was called a man after God's own heart. And this is where we have to be. You walk in with problems, struggles, seek God. You walk in hurt, seek God. Let God revive anything that the world has killed and destroyed. Let God revive that desire for him. Let God revive that fire. Because as we sing, oh, come to the altar. Remember, it was on the altar where the fire of God hit. And then, once that fire starts, once God causes that fire to overtake us, and we, and we get that yearning to go out and do the will of God, you will see a revival, but it starts with seeking him.
let us pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Because we know, regardless of the heaviness that has been placed upon us by the enemy in in the world, my God, if we truly seek you, you will remove it. You will give us peace. You are our joy, oh God, my God. We thank you. I just pray, my God, for the people who are watching online and the people that are here. That you cause a stirring within their very being. Let them desire you. Let them desire to be in your presence more than anything. Let them desire to surrender all to you and allow you to work through them and start reviving them from within. My God, we thank you for the mercy and grace that you've bestowed upon us. Because even in our disobedience, you've given us time to come back to you. Help us to honor you and glorify you in everything that we do. To keep our minds and our focus on you and trust that you will take care of everything else. the fire on the altar that is in our heart and use us to spread your flame in Jesus name we pray